This is a summary of the third Sikha in Parshish Nayach, like the Sikha is Chelek Yud. This is a Rashi Sikha, but of the genre where there is no explicit Rashi, but the Rebbe's question and what the Rebbe deals with is how does Rashi learn in the verses, in the Psukim, um, why indeed doesn't Rashi ask anything? What's the underlying principle? What is the understanding of Rashi in these Psukim? And in fact, in this Sikha, the Rebbe draws upon other Rashis to help explain some of the details that are happening. Um, what we're looking at is a pasuk where it says that towards the end of the, the end of the flood, very much at the end, after it rained for 40 days, which of course was miraculous rain, Hashem opened up the heavens and opened up the depths of the, of the, uh, of the sea, or but the, the water which is within the globe of earth, which is in the core of, of earth, Hashem flooded the entire world. The great flood, and uh, and it rained after these forty days. Then the water, the Torah tells us, for one hundred and fifty days, for five months, was going with more and more intensity and strength and vigor. It was uh, building up momentum. It was going. It wasn't stopping. It was. It was a rushing, raging water. And at the end of this period that subsided and the water began to decrease and go down every day um, and after a while of this um, for a period after a period of time they land on the mountain of Hare Ararat the mountains of Ararat which is uh, officially in present day Turkey and that is uh, and then he's waiting Noyach is trying to figure out when the earth is dry enough that they could come out of the table, that, that the earth is, someone could settle down, someone could, could, it's not going to melt on them or sink in, rather. And there's the episode where he's sending out different birds. So he sends out the, uh, the dove and it comes back with the olive leaf, the olive branch, the, uh, the famous olive branch. Which, by the way, is why it's the piece of symbol around the world is an olive branch because it, it means new beginnings. That the olive branch, he saw that the world is being rejuvenated, and indeed, a week later, the crust of the earth was was hard enough, and they they left the table. That's the story that we're dealing with, and the question that the Rebbe asks really is, how could it be that there was a leaf? which was already available at this point in history. Obviously, we're not talking about miracles because the whole point, it's true the marble itself was a miracle. But at this point of the game, if he, if he wasn't aware how, at what point he's supposed to leave, if he didn't have a direct instruction, prophecy from God that you shall leave on this day, he's obviously trying to figure it out from the natural way. And the, the question arises, what happened here? The mabel allowed for there to be leaves and trees. What's happening? Wouldn't, it, wouldn't the mabel have uprooted the trees? If, you, if, if a raging uh, torrential rain, keep in mind that the Medrash tells us that each drop of rain was the size of a mikveh, 40 saw. Um, but uh, in any event, with and, and also from the depths of the earth coming up, it's a raging flood, and it says it raged on for 150 days. What tree possibly survived 
such an event that it was able to uh, to be producing trees. The Ramban indeed says that we that we must say from this pasuk that trees were not uprooted. Maybe some trees, but generally speaking, trees were not uprooted. They were able to survive. That seems incredibly difficult. If you read the story, just on its face, misvara, just from logically. And indeed, the Medrash asks this question. And the Medrash offers different answers. One answer is that it was taken from the Garden of Eden. That it took this, but obviously Rashi wouldn't learn like that for a number of reasons, but a basic reason is just because there's a leaf in the Garden of Eden um, would not, where there was no flood, does not would not inform Noyach as to whether the world has dried up yet or not, whether he can leave the Teva. So it's really not, uh, it's a very much a very difficult explanation. There are commentaries which offer different explanations for that, but that's not going to help explain Rashi's viewpoint on these matters. <clears throat> um, uh, there's another view that it didn't, the Mabal didn't happen in the land of Israel, and therefore this took place in the land of Israel. That's uh, that's where it got the uh, the branch from. But uh, it's also incredibly difficult um, the uh, to make the argument that it landed in the land of Israel. That ever has. Uh, few problems with that but the 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 major problem that Ebbe says very interesting idea which is why did it land on the mountain of Ararat the 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 Teva the answer is because Hari Ararat is from the tallest mountains in the world that's what the Rebbe says interesting the Rebbe doesn't say it's the tallest mountain the Rebbe said it's from the tallest mountains by the way, it should be, I don't know if anyone did an, an investigation about this, but it's interesting because the uh, even though, of course, there's Mount Everest and these, these mountains, but it probably, quite, you also have to measure the base, uh, right? How low down in terms of sea level and so on, where you're coming up from, because the water will go to the lowest level. So, But in any event, Hari Ararat, the Rebbe tells us, is from the tallest mountains, and that's why it landed there. That's why I landed there. The problem is, the question is, though, that if in the land of Israel the Mabal never happened, even if there was an overflow of water flooding the land of Israel, clearly the the intensity of the water, the place of the water, would still not be the land of Israel. And therefore, the Rebbe says that it really would have dried up in a quicker fashion in Israel than in other places. Obviously, there there. It's interesting to think about because clearly there's some kind of miracle happening. You know, water doesn't just disappear like this. You don't recede and go down uh, four amas a day, you know, ten feet a day, whatever it was. There's clearly a mechanism happening. But however the but but however the mechanism was, which followed some kind of natural order of going down, Israel would have been the quicker than the other lands, and therefore. It should have landed in Israel, the table. Maybe on a mountain within Israel. Fine. But clearly it would have been the first location. That's one of the questions that Abba has. Basically, he doesn't want to learn that there was no flood in Israel. Besides for the fact that what would be the proof that there's no, that it's not in the land of Israel on the level of Pshat and the level of Rashi. So we're left back to the original question, which is that the Rebbe doesn't like to just accept what the Ramban says, the trees weren't uprooted. Why weren't trees uprooted? 
Why weren't trees uprooted? Now it's interesting to know that Ebed does indeed learn that according to Rashi, there wasn't an acidic hot water which had a viscosity, which had a certain thickness to it, as discussed in the Gemara in Zvachim and Sanhedrin. The Gemara famously says that the water was almost like a chemical water. Who knows what it was? And it was a punishment for them, and that obviously would have been even very uh, destructive and uh, more than anything. But the Rebbe learns that in Rashi, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't hold of that. The Rebbe is medayikit from, from Rashi regarding the, the resting, the relaxing of the water. Um, the bottom line of the Rebbe is that there's no source for it in Pshut And the question that the Gemara asks of how would the Teva survive? How would the Ark survive in such, in such a water um, would be difficult according to Rashi. And the Gemara Taka gives an answer, but it's based on another miracle happening. So the Rebbe doesn't uh, accept that. So that uh, we're not asking a question from that vantage point, but the question is very strong about why, how did it survive? And the Rebbe says a interesting and brilliant answer, which is that the Teda says it took a leaf from an olive tree. Why an olive tree? Why is it telling me? That it was from an olive tree, right? What's exactly um, the point? And also, what does it prove to me to take a a uh, a leaf from an olive tree, right? So maybe it was an olive tree which was on top of a mountain and it survived, and uh, and now it's it's been dry over there for three months and it dried out. And that's the olive. That's the uh, that's the olive uh, leaf. What's what's the uh, what's the vart? What's the nakuda? What's the point? So the Rebbe says like this. The Rebbe says that it's clear from sources, and the Rebbe is actually a scientist. The Safnas Panech, the Ragachaver has a whole arichus about this. The Ragachaver. This is really a chiddush of the Ragachaver. We know that the Rebbe was a Talmud. The Rebbe held very strongly. The Rebbe studied under the Ragachaver for a few months when they were in the same city together. They corresponded a lot together. So the Ragachavar Goyen, he has a uh, he has a whole vart about that he proves from all over the Gemara from the Talmud that it's a very strong tree. It's from the strongest trees in the world. And uh, the Gemara says the Gemara brings it up in different contexts. So, for example, the Gemara says he brings some Gemara Menachis that why are Jews compared to an olive? That just like an olive tree, the the the, the leaves of the olive thing don't fall off in the winter or the summer. They never fall off. So to the Jews. They're never bottled. They exist always. Um, the, Gemara, the, Gemara talks, the Gemara brings that up many times. For example, the laws of beer, of Shvi, is that in the Shemitah year, in a sabbatical year, you can only eat it as long as it's extant in the, in the trees, in the field. So it says that it's always extant. There's no beer for Isaiah. It always remains, um, the olives remain on. Even the tree itself, the wood itself of the tree, the Gemara also speaks about how strong it is. What it says, for example, like a collateral, a teseftip, says a collateral that you use, you could use the collateral if it's an axe or something of that nature, you could use it. I think, I think, if I remember correctly, you also could, you deduct the service, the rent of using it from the loan. But you're not allowed to use it in such a way that would damage it. So it says you're not allowed to use it for an olive tree. Because an olive tree is a very, very strong, strong tree and a strong branch. 
and it's unacceptable. The Gemara says elsewhere that it's very strong. That, that so this is often the Tzafras Paneh from different sources. He bring he draws on all kinds of sources: the Jerusalem Talmud, the, 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 the Babylonian Talmud, from the Thesefta. The Gemara says that it doesn't receive harkava. You can't mix another species with it. It won't it won't accept it because it's too hard. It's too tough. It's too firm. Which the Ragat Shavagoyin wants to use as a reason also why the tree, the olive tree, wasn't destroyed because uh, they were destroyed. The species of the world were destroyed because they mixed with the, a breed, a different breed than their own. Anyways, that was every, that was all from the Ragat Shavar. All that Eb is taking is what well, the point is that even on the level of Rashi, right, these aren't matters which are up for debate. Clearly, the Zayish tree is a tremendously powerful tree. And the Rebbe says that there's the one point that he agrees with the Ramban in the level of Pshuta Shemekra in Rashi, that the trees, generally speaking, of course, were decimated. However, when you're dealing with the strongest tree on earth, the Rebbe says probably most of them were, were still destroyed, but it remains to reason why it would be the tree that would survive the, the torrent, the torrential rain and the 150 days of the, of the, of the raging waters. But of course, it should be obvious to us, the Rebbe says, that even though we said the leaves themselves are very strong, they hold on very strongly to the tree, clearly it would not be able to survive. It would not be able to survive. And therefore, what happened was that a tree survived. And now the, the, the olive that, the, 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 I'm sorry, the leaf that grew on the olive tree was a rejuvenation. Was, was in the olive tree, which was out of the water, and enough time had elapsed that it was able to grow this, um, this, um, this leaf. And that was proof to Noyach that the world was reaching this point, that the, the rejuvenation, clear, right? You could clearly tell the difference between an olive, which had been soaked in the water and been, and, and been decimated, for, for, for months upon months, he saw that it was a fresh leaf which had grown from an olive tree specifically. And the strength of the tree and of the leaf is hinted to an ashi on the words chatov, that it was grabbed from the tree. Grab means it was pulled, it was schlepped, it was, it was uprooted. Right? It's a very interesting word. So the, the Rebbe says that the Rashi over there is translating it like that to bring out this point of, of, of the strength of the tree. And therefore that resolves the question of how did it survive to, uh, to a, a, a leaf.